Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I am Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. The Old Testament lesson for today comes from Isaiah. Pay close attention now. I'm creating new heavens and a new earth. All the earlier troubles, chaos, and pain are things of the past to be forgotten. Look ahead with joy. Anticipate what I'm creating. I'll create Jerusalem as sheer joy. Create my people as pure delight. I'll take joy in Jerusalem. Take delight in my people. No more sounds of weeping in the city. No cries of anguish. No more babies dying in the cradle, or old people who don't enjoy a full lifetime. One hundred birthdays will be considered normal. Anything less will seem like a cheat. They'll build houses and move in. They'll plant fields and eat what they grow. No more building a house that some outsider takes over. No more planting fields that some enemy confiscates. For my people will be as long-lived as trees. My chosen ones will have satisfaction in their work. They won't work and have nothing come of it. They won't have children snatched out from under them. For they themselves are plantings blessed by God, with their children and grandchildren likewise God blessed. Before they call out, I'll answer. Before they've finished speaking, I'll have heard. Wolf and lamb will graze the same meadow. Lion and ox eat straw from the same trough, but snakes, they'll get a diet of dirt. Neither animal nor human will hurt or kill anywhere on my holy mountain, says God. We read from the Gospel of John this morning. Each of the Gospels has a story of the resurrection and the disciples going to the tomb and this Easter, we are reading from John's Gospel, so hear now and listen for how God is speaking to you through these words of John's Gospel. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciples who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. 
When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary! And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that she had seen these things to her. And here ends the reading. And thanks be to God. Imagine this first miraculous day, this very first Easter. We are very lucky where we are in time. We know how Jesus' journey to the cross ends. We already know the whole story. We go through it every year, and we read the story of Palm Sunday and that triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and we read it knowing how it ends, knowing that it ends in disaster and then in Easter. We read the story of the betrayal, of the arrest, of the trial, the denials, the disciples fleeing, the crucifixion, and the burial. But we read this every year knowing how it ends. We know how the story ends. We know that burial is not the finale of that story. For us, it's it's just retelling a story that we already know, like uh, retelling the story of Goldilocks or the Wizard of Oz or something that we all know very well. We know how it ends. These first followers of Jesus didn't know. They didn't know that story hadn't been written yet because they were the story. They were living the story. It was being written as they lived it. The ending was not written for them until it happened. They didn't know that Easter was coming. Jesus had had mentioned it, but they didn't seem to really quite comprehend it or get it. And so for them, Jesus was very much buried and very much dead. Definitely dead and gone. They had buried their friend and spent a day wondering what would happen to their movement without their leader, wondering if they even had a movement. Was this thing that they had been doing even worth doing anymore, or was it just a big useless lie and a waste of time? Were they fools to ever have gotten involved with this guy, this Jesus who had been crucified and buried? Because Jesus wasn't just a teacher of of a new morality. His disciples, the people that were with them, they thought he was the Messiah. More than just a mentor or a good friend or a teacher or a miracle worker, he was to be the Messiah, the one who was going to save Israel, the one who would bring God's liberation and salvation to a people who have, uh, throughout their history, who had known occupation and exile and destruction and slavery. That's who he was supposed to be. And they had just buried him. 
They just buried him after he was executed uh, by the violent privilege of the empire that some thought he was supposed to overthrow. Whatever he was about to do, it looked like he lost. It didn't happen. And how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? All of your hopes and dreams were in this man, and you just buried him. Do you run away? Do you just lock yourself up in a room in despair? Kick yourself for being so foolish to ever get involved with this guy for wasting three years of your life? Or do you remember like Mary Magdalene does that whatever may or may not happen, may not have happened, you loved that man. He was your friend. Even if maybe he was a fraud about what you thought he was, he was still your friend and you loved him and so you do what what love does. You act in love. You go to the tomb to take care of the body like you're supposed to. Deal with the emotions, uh, deal with uh, the truth and the facts later, but right now there's a body to be taken care of. There's one last thing to do before you can really say goodbye to this person that you thought was special. There's a body to be anointed as you had just anointed it a week ago with costly nard, anointing his feet with your hair and his tears. And he did that at a meal with the brother that he had just raised from the dead. If one last duty of love at least to do, you go, uh, so you go to the tomb in the darkness of early morning. And you get to the tomb and there's nothing there. The stone's been rolled away. There's no body inside. There's just some linens. And so you run back and you tell the other disciples and a couple of them run to the tomb to take a look and they look in and see that you were telling the truth that it is indeed empty and they run back home. But you stay. You stay and you weep as Mary wept here in despair, maybe your sadness. Or maybe, maybe she was uh, certainly sad and wondering what had happened to the body, but I wonder if there were some tears of hope here, some tears of uh, the joy of hope that maybe those words that Jesus had spoken earlier that he was going to die and would rise from the dead, maybe he was right. Maybe some of Mary's tears are tears of hope that he might have been telling the truth, that it could all be real. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be impressive? If you were right about who you thought that man was. And we now, in 2013, we know it's true because we're on this side of that story. But at the time, Mary didn't. Not yet. She's still at an empty tomb. And then a man shows up that she thinks is the gardener until he calls her by name. Mary. Mary. He says to her. And she recognizes him. The power of a name, especially when spoken by someone who loves you and that you love. There's something special in the way that people that you know 
and are intimate with, whether they be your significant other or spouse, uh, friends, family. When your name is spoken in love, it sounds different than when a stranger says your name. Jesus knew her, and he says, Mary. And she recognizes him. She knows it's him. She knows that he's returned back to life. He has stepped back into her story. A step back into her story. The story is not fully written yet, just as Jesus has stepped into our story through this event uh, and stepped into our story to let us know that we are loved and that he will never abandon us, that he is always, always part of our story because he has made us part of his story. And we continue, at least almost 2,000 years later, to continue to live that story be Christ's disciples, to spread the word, to spread the good news, and to live as Christ called us to live. Because Jesus is part of us, and we are part of Jesus. I want to read a very old sermon. This goes back to the 4th century, so 1700 or so years old. Uh, This was given by St. John Chrysostom, one of the great mystics of the early church. Uh, This is a homily that's still read in in many of the Orthodox churches today, meditation on Easter. I'm going to end with this. If anyone is devout and a lover of God, let them enjoy this beautiful and radiant festival. If anyone is a grateful servant, let them rejoicing enter into the joy of his Lord. If anyone has wearied themselves in fasting, let them now receive recompense. If anyone has labored from the first hour, let them today receive the just reward. If anyone has come at the third hour with thanksgiving, let them feast. If anyone has arrived at the sixth hour, Let them have no misgivings, for they shall suffer no loss. If anyone has delayed until the ninth hour, let them draw near without hesitation. If anyone has arrived even at the eleventh hour, let them not fear on account of tardiness. For the master is gracious and receives the last, even as the first. He gives rest to him that comes at the eleventh hour, just as to him who has labored from the first. He has mercy upon the last and cares for the first. To the one he gives and to the other he is gracious. He both honors the work and praises the intention. Enter all of you, therefore, into the joy of our Lord, and whether first or last, receive your reward. O rich and poor, one with another, dance for joy. O you ascetics and you negligent, celebrate the day. You that have fasted and you that have disregarded the fast, rejoice today. The table is rich laden. Feast royally, all of you. The calf is fatted. Let no one go forth hungry. Let all partake of the feast of faith. Let all receive the riches of goodness. Let no one lament their poverty, for the universal kingdom has been revealed. Let no one mourn their transgressions, for pardon has dawned from the grave. And let no one fear death, for the Savior's death has set us free. He that was taken by death has annihilated it. 
He descended into Hades and took Hades captive. He embittered it when it tasted his flesh. And anticipating this, Isaiah exclaimed, Hades was embittered when it encountered thee in the lower regions. It was embittered for it was abolished. It was embittered for it was mocked. It was embittered for it was purged. It was embittered for it was despoiled. It was embittered for it was bound in chains. It took a body and came upon God. It took earth and encountered heaven. It took what it saw but crumbled before what it had not seen. O death, where is thy sting? O Hades, where is thy victory? For Christ is risen and you are overthrown. Christ is risen and the demons are fallen. Christ is risen and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen and life reigns. Christ is risen and not one dead remains in a tomb. For Christ, being raised from the dead, has become the first fruits of them that have slept. And to him be glory and might unto the ages of ages. Amen and amen. And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, This is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.